Thank you, Lord. Father God, thank you for bringing us here tonight. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would be the teacher tonight to open up these uh, great truths and mysteries in your word, these things that are unfolding in front of us and the future that we have. This is our inheritance in Christ. And we pray that, Lord, that we can come to a, a firm uh, understanding of these things as much as we can in this time. This is such an amazing thing. It's hard to grasp, but um, it is real and it is coming. And this is where we will spend eternity. And Lord, I thank you for everybody who's here tonight. We ask your blessing upon um, this, this study and this book, which you say that if we study these words and we take it to heart, that there's a blessing inherent with this. So we thank you for this study tonight and to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we got two more chapters left tonight and then chapter 22 next week. So, man, we did it. We, we went through the book. It was we a long, it. man. That was 21 weeks to hear to get us to this point. That's a long time, but praise God. It was um, interesting, you know, to dissect this. And, um, you know, we're getting, we're, we're, the context of tonight's study is um, last week we studied about the millennial period. And that was uh, the destruction of the rebels it was actually the lord coming back chapter 19 him setting up his uh millennial reign and then the earth being restored during that time i was trying to find information about that about the earth being restored actually within the millennial period and it was a little hard to come by but everybody assumes that that'll be the case i don't i can't see jesus coming back to the earth and the earth being in in um, shattered condition um, i'm assuming that before the Lord comes back, there probably is going to be some nuclear warfare going on on the earth. And then, you know, you have the radiation, you have things like at Chernobyl and uh, Fukushima. When you release radiation and the half-life of those things is hundreds and thousands of years for it to become inhabitable. And so I believe that, you know, Christ is in charge of all those things. He was just going to deal with that. You know, the pollution of the earth, the destruction. They said all of the ocean is going to die. So I'm assuming the Lord is going to restore the ocean that's during the millennial period, that thousand-year reign. And, um, you know, I was looking more into that. Uh, that is a time where the promises that were made to the Jews, the promises that were made to them about uh, David sitting on his throne and them ruling the earth, that's when those things are going to be fulfilled. Because when God makes a promise, he fulfills his promises. And we haven't seen a lot of these things be fulfilled in the natural uh, lifespan that we've seen, or the Jews as they were uh, during their kingdom period, but God made promises to Abraham. God made promises to David that will be fulfilled during the millennial period. Um, uh, the Davidic kingdom uh, with David sitting on the throne will be in Jerusalem, be reestablished, re and um, Christ will be, you know, the head of that kingdom, and David will be under that. Um, uh, the Jews will be gathered back into Jerusalem, and then the earth, I guess it says that the nations, the, the nations of our origin that people would go back to those places, it seems. I don't know if they're going to resurrect Hawaii from the ocean at that point. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> it's said that, you know, every island fled away during that tremendous earthquake that they had. So um, we are coming to that place. This is the end of the, um, the end of the millennial period. There's the last revolt where these people, uh, a great multitude, encompass the camp of the saints, the, the natural Jerusalem on the earth and come from the four corners of the earth 
Gog and Magog, they stage a battle, come against the, the holy city, and God says, okay, we're done with this rebellion, and he calls down fire from heaven and just wipes everybody out. Not everybody, the, the rebels. There's some natural people that didn't want to engage in this rebellion, but a, a large number of them are just toast. They go into hell at that point, and uh, then we get to this place where this is the new heavens and new earth right now is what we're talking about. So we're in um, chapter 21, is where we open up, and it starts off, now I saw, this is John writing, I saw a new heaven and earth from the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. So interesting, the first thing that he notes that there's no sea, and I, you know, I took this, I got this image of that, and according to the Dates Bible, you know, and, and it makes sense because he gives the scripture references to this. He said, there's no more large body of sea that divides up the continents like what we have right now. But he says there will be smaller seas and there will be large bodies of water and there'll be a lot of rivers and a lot of lakes on the earth at that time. It's not going to be just a barren uh, desert environment. It's going to be lush. But there's, look at the land mass. Right now the earth is two-thirds uh, two um, ocean right now. And so you, you get rid of that and you cover that with earth, you have a lot more capacity for people at that point. You know, so the earth has a way bigger capacity for population and uh, this is the thing that he's seen. So first thing we see, no more sea. But like I said, there is scriptures that talk about bodies of waters and rivers and lakes and sort of, so it's not gonna just be you know, void of water. So, um, so the heat did it, the fire did it just seems like that was God's choice. I don't know. You know, it's amazing that, you know, when it talks about in the book of Genesis, what caused the flood, right? It says that the heavens, the, the, the waters were divided, the, the, the uh, firmament above and the firmament beneath. And so there was, according to creation scientists, he said there was a thick canopy of water that enveloped the, yeah, like a greenhouse that encircled the whole earth. But not only that, they said that there's tons of water on the inner shell of the earth. There's lots of water that is contained with there. And then it says the, the deep was broken up and the fountains were opened. And that's what helped flood the earth. So maybe God is going to open up the holes in the earth and the ocean is going to go back into the earth somehow. I don't know. You know, God is capable of, he can transform well, water. Go back into it, it, it could be. He could just say, you know what, I, I turn this water into dry land. Boom, it happens. You know, I don't know how he's going to do it. But we know God is capable of doing that. Right. You know, whether it's going to somehow siphon into the earth and, and, you know, there's a shell around the earth where there's, they said there's probably more water in the, in the body of the earth than on the oceans. You know, I've heard that said before. And so um, this is going to be the, the new form of the earth that we're looking at here. I think it's kind of cool because, you know, there's, there's scriptures that talk about during this period that there's going to be a requirement of pilgrimage to Jerusalem to pay homage to God. It says representatives from different parts of the world, they're going to have to make a pilgrimage to Israel, whether that be walking or there's going to be animals or there's going to be transportation. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's pretty cool that you would be able to do that during this time. You know, you're living way on the other side. You know, I think I'm going to Jerusalem this year. I'm going to go see the feast and just take a walk and just go because the world is absolutely beautiful. And you could probably stop at anybody's house and they'll take you in. And there's probably tons of food. I mean, it's, it would just be so awesome to do that. You know, wouldn't it be cool? And so that's, that's where it is right now. Um, it says, uh, <laughs> no, no violence. No, no animals are going to attack you. Everything's just, you know, you can well, play with it. Well, it's like a, a 
what is it children? Which one? Narnia. Oh yeah, Narnia, where yeah. the animals will be restored. Um, let's go to let's go to Isaiah Isaiah sixty um, sixty five. Hmm. There's you know there's hints throughout the Bible. You got to search these things out. There's little glimpses that you'll see of them talking about this recreation. And Isaiah 65 has a little to say about it. Um, I don't understand. Why would he have to create a new heaven? A new heaven? Yeah. I guess it's it's a full refurbishment, you know. It's it's we're we're changing everything, you know. Yeah. That is a good question. <laughs> so, um... Maybe you make a more beautiful. <laughs> 65, uh, verse 16, it says, uh, so chapter 65, verse 17, For behold, I create a new, new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. But I'll be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create G Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy... I will rejoice in Jerusalem and the joy of my people, for the voice of the weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, for an old, uh, nor the old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner, being 100 years old, uh, shall be accursed. So who's he talking about here in, when he's talking about this right here? You remember there was two classes of people that I talked about? <laughs> Students? <laughs> Anybody remember what I said? That was natural, like natural yeah, right, people, right? right? So there's going to be, we are going to have a resurrected body. We will, ha we will have been either translated at the rapture of the church or we will die and, and um, take part in the first resurrection of all those who are righteous saints. So now we have immortality. We have a body like Christ. We have a glorified body. So we're, he says that we're a nation of kings and priests. So we're been assigned to rule uh, and reign on the earth at this point. But there's also, after the millennial period, there's people that survived the tribulation period who, if you look in Matthew 25, it talks about the sheep and the goats. He divides them at that point. The, you know, the, you were accursed. You, you treated my people terribly. And, and because you did this, you're, you're destined to hell. And then there's the other people that says, you gave food to, you visited me in prison, you visited me in the hospital. It shows the heart that was there of these people, these natural people that are able to go into the millennial period, go into the, this, this, this stage of, of uh, regeneration uh, for a thousand years. But then they're still like that because God's original purpose was for man, and, uh, Adam and Eve to live in, this, in the body that they created them with and repopulate the earth. That was God's original, uh, original intention until sin came into the program. And so sin was dealt with and God says, okay, we're back to square one. I'm going back to the Adam and Eve model in the Garden of Eden. I want natural people reproducing and having children to repopulate this earth. So there's glorified saints living, like, which would, would, we would be, and then there's people that have survived the tribulation period that were righteous and God deems these people are righteous to go. They survived that testing after the end of the millennial period, it didn't rebel with all these rebels. So sin was dealt with in their hearts. And he goes, okay, you guys go in and you repopulate the earth here. 
So when it says somebody would die at 100 years old, that's who he's talking because we're there's no more death for us, right? Right. We're not going to. We're, we've already been tested, and we're and these people have been tested now. So there's no more rebellion. All rebellion has been put down at this point, right? And so it says, uh, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be a cur- shall be a curse. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall build and, and another. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of the tree, so shall be the days of my people. And the elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox. And the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy at all in my holy mountain, says the Lord. So this is, this is uh, talking about that period of time. Um, also, there's another uh, little bit of scripture about that in 66, the, next, the last chapter in Isaiah, verse 22. And it says this, For the new heavens and the new earth which I make shall remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your descendants and your uh, name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another... And from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come and worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. So it seems that there might be a portal into hell somewhere on the earth at this time where people can go look and see these people are being tormented. And it says, man, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't go with that program. You know, it's just the, the damned will be there. And it says, that was the thing that Jesus always would quote. It says, the fire is never quenched and the worm dieth not. You know, so it's an eternal state. There's people that have this idea that hell, and there's cessationism where you, you go and then you're judged by God and you just cease to exist. But that scripture is saying forever and ever. It never stops. Huh? So it's not a good thing. And so we go back to chapter 21 of Revelation. And this is the part where he says, you know, that cube that we're seeing over there, um, it almost looks like there's a mountain with a river coming there. So somebody's interpretation of the heavenly Jerusalem. And I'm going to show a bunch of pictures of this. I mean, it, nobody's imagination can meet what this description is. You know, when we see this, this is going to fall way short of anything that, that I can imagine about what this would be like. But I'm going to try and throw some things up there so you can get a glimpse of what possibly this is. Because it's really going to happen. This isn't fantasy. It's not intangible. This is going to be stuff you can put your hands on and touch and walk in and inhabit and see. This is real. It's not a fantasy. This is going to happen, right? Pastor. Yes. I'm sorry, 65, um, 65 was 17 through 24. And 66 was 22 and 24. And there's many more. If you have a reference Bible, and you, or, or you just go online and say, I want to know about the, the new heavens and new earth, or the, even the millennial period, I want to know. And there's, there's things peppered throughout the scriptures. There was, uh, yeah, there was another one that was really interesting. I'll talk about maybe later. But it's in Zechariah. That, that one talks about the fact that people are going to make these pilgrims, and they, they refuse to come. They refuse to come to, yeah. to um I think it's in Zechariah. It says that God will withhold rain from their land. 
You know, so there's going to be. Now, I'm not sure if that was in during the millennial period or during the restored, you know, new heavens and new earth, because I don't think there's going to be any rebellion during that time. You know, so some of these are kind of like, where do they overlap? It's a little, it might be a little confusing. But going back to this, um, it says in verse 2, I, I, then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And so. You know, you, wow. you, you get these images and, and, and like, it just doesn't do it glory. When we get into this, we're going to see the vastness of the scale of this. This is nowhere near. That's the best he could do. I mean, at this point, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> at this point, Jeff. Right on, Jeff. That's the best he He did tell me, I was like, man, I just can't find some good pictures. He did tell me that. This is a, a pale representation of what this really is going to be about. But here it is. You know, there's the, the rebuilt Jerusalem over here, the city of God. And, and I always wondered, what's going to happen? Is this thing going to come down and just crush it? Just, and just set down on the earth? It appears that this thing's going to hover above the earth. It's not going to settle onto the earth, wow. but it's going to hover over the earth. How did you get the hovering, my wife? Ah, oh, man, where was that? And the people just float up to it. I get, or there's, they said that there's a, a road that goes up. You know, that goes up a, a, a road of a pavement that is so pure of gold that it's transparent. Transparent gold. And so here's one image of that. Here's another one. You know, some people, uh, when we're going to get into it and get the dimensions of it, some people say it's a cube, you know, because it's, it's, um, uh, it says four square, you know, four square, and then it gives the dimensions. We'll get into that a little later. And, and, and I asked, uh, actually went to a study at Pastor Robin's church, and I had a chance, because I'm looking at these scriptures, and, and I'm like, it seems like it would be more appropriate if it were a pyramid, you know. And the reason being in, Ze in, in um, uh, you know, in, in um, what is that, Zechariah? Zechariah, it talks about the, the capstone coming down, you know, with shouts of grace, grace to it, you know. And uh, it just seems like a pyramid would have a capstone. And not only that, we see that the devil is constantly mimicking God, you know, and there's a lot of symbolism, you know, or even our dollar has that pyramid on there with the, uh, with the all-seeing eye on that. There's pyramids all over the earth. Who, who came up with this idea of pyramids? You know, who's the one who came up? The Egyptians have a certain type. The Mayans have a certain type. The, the Incas have a certain type. You know, there's pyramids. They're finding them all over the world. They're finding them in Europe. They're finding them in Japan, you know, underwater, whatever. There's just all over the place. So who came up with this concept of pyramid, you know? So is it something that they saw from God's creation at some point, you know, and, and they're trying to duplicate it or mimic it? And so I asked Dr. Fruchtenbaum, is it a cube or is it a pyramid? And he goes, it could be a pyramid. Nobody, and, and I did a lot of research on it, and, and people said yes. It, it, and I think because it's called Mount Zion, it looks more like a mountain shape. You know, that's, that's where. But then there's also another argument for the cube, which makes sense to that the Holy of Holies, the most holy place in the temple was a pure, perfect cube. It was a cube that contained the presence of God. So it could be a cube. I'm not, I'm not absolutely sold on either one, but, uh, but this is the footprint of that thing. This is, this is how big the, the dimension of the base of it would be. It's 1,500 miles. You go anywhere from 1,380 miles to 1,500 miles, depending on a cubit. A cubit is, they said, the, 
from a, a elbow it seems small to the head. No, 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 no. The thing is, it's not only that big; it's, it's high that high, high. Yeah, that high. Right, right. That thing has so much volume; it's not even funny, man. It's like twelve layers of of of, and these are miles of layers. There's no city that ever came close to anything so like this. It's 1,500 square, both sides are 1,500 up. Up, where this thing actually goes into space. The, the highest that we've ever flown a plane was like 63. That's what they're saying. It's probably inhabited with, with, with just levels all the way up. Or some other people, some other people's description, J. Berger McGee says, he thinks it's a, don't, it's, it's like a, um, uh, a glass bubble, like a planet, right? But the shell is made out of diamond. It's like a dome, right? And we live on the inside of this thing, and it, it's a city within a dome. And because that kind of makes sense too, because this thing is so big, it goes out into outer space. It's so huge. The, the, think about this, the highest that a plane has flown into the upper atmosphere is about 63 miles. This thing goes 1,500 miles up. It's, it's huge, yeah, it's man. Huge. It's massive. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could probably spend eternity and not see the whole thing. Just wandering around. Oh, <laughs> I've never been to this level before and just seen things, you know. So this is the, that's the footprint of that. That's about 1,500 miles squared. Um, you know, anybody's imagination, what it might look like. I can imagine that, you know, man is pretty creative. I love, I love cultures that are developed, you know, you go places and you see architectural styles, you know, where people have built, you know, you, I've never been to Europe or Rome. I was disappointed in Africa because they really don't have a lot of architectural heritage over there much. I mean, there is, but I didn't see it. But when you go to different places, there's a type of architecture that conveys, um, you know, a certain type of life with the people. Even Hawaii has a, has a style. It's interesting, you go out to Kona, and, and where they grow the coffee, there's a particular architecture of Kona that's just for that coffee district that they kind of they kind of build in a certain way. And I go, oh, that's unique to this area. I don't see that anywhere else in Hawaii. So it's really cool. So whatever man can imagine, can you imagine what God can do with with you know all these millennia or that He's been doing? You know, He said the first time that it was made mention of this was in John 14. You know, it's a very familiar scripture, um, and where where Jesus makes mention of this. And I think I've read it at this study before. But John 14, 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. You know, so some people say Oh, it's not mansion. It's 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 a it's a dwelling place, or a, or a, I have a, a place for your body to go at that point. But there's other people who says no. It's it's a mansion. It's a it's a structure that God is preparing for us. You know. So um, it goes on, and it says in John, uh, the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, and God prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them, and will be their God. So, um, you know, we're looking at all these feasts that when Christ came, he fulfilled the feast of uh, unleavened bread. He did the Passover. He did first fruits. He did Pentecost. The next one on the calendar, the next one is the fall feast. 
And it's in September, and it's the Feast of Trumpets, which I believe will be fulfilled with the rapture of the church. Or a lot of people are anticipating that. Whether it will be actually on the day of the Feast of Trumpets, who's to say? You know, I don't want to be a date setter, but I believe it will be. If everything else was fulfilled exactly on the, on the feast day. day. And then I think after that, the next one in progression is the Feast of Atonement, the Day of Atonement. And that was the day when the high priest would go in and atone for the sins of the people with a blood sacrifice. I don't know if that would be fulfilled when Christ comes down and he's, he's, just, he's just taking vengeance on man. You know, he's just, he's just squashing people like grapes and the blood flows up to a certain, you know, the uh, horse's bridle. Um, is that going to be the atonement? You know, the blood that was required here. And it's just like, this is the day of vengeance. And then the next on the docket is the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is where God comes and tabernacles with his people. He comes and dwells, actually dwells with his people. Right now, God is in heaven. And it says, heaven is my, my throne, earth is my footstool. But he's coming to a point where this is, this is all talking about. God is moving his capital to earth. He's saying, here, I'm moving in with you guys. And I'm going to set up my kingdoms um, uh, like Washington, D.C. This is going to be Washington, D.C. This is heaven is coming to the planet earth. So this is going to be the center of all activity in the, in the cosmos, you know, is God tabernacling with people. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so he says he's going to wipe away every tear. You know, here's another picture. This is, you know, more, you know, in the Middle East, the footprint of where this possibly, I, I would say it would probably be centered over Jerusalem, but who knows for sure. But just another picture of the size and the scale of this thing, you know. Um, here's another picture where... I don't know if that one is very accurate because this is the foundations are of gems and we'll get into that later. But it was just a pyramidal structure that is said that some people do believe that it possibly could be a pyramid. Um, you know, just some pictures, like I said, that will not do this justice. Not when you got a 1,500 mile high city. You know, what could be in there? What, you know, that defies the imagination. But just the splendor and the glory, it's talking about, you know, in, in, when you get into this, the foundations of gems and the radiance of the light because God is there. It says that even in the new heavens, you were saying the, the sun is going to shine seven times brighter than what it shines right now. The moon will be seven times brighter. So there's really, doesn't seem like there's going to be night anymore, you know. And, and the stars seven times, everything's going to be just brighter. That's one of the things, whenever you hear somebody say that they had a vision of heaven... They said, man, it was so bright, but it didn't hurt my eyes. The light was just so intense. It was so, you know, light, but it didn't hurt my eyes. You know, like if you try to stare at the sun, you'd cook your eyeballs, right? But it says, I looked at this brightness and it, was, I, it, it wasn't hard on my eyes, but it was just so bright there. So I think these are the characteristics of things that will change, you know. It says, they'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, neither shall be any more pain. What a great time, you know, what a, what a great time to be uh, there. Um, you know, one of the things that I remember Chuck Missler saying, he says, wipe away tears. Why would there be any tears? We made it to heaven. You know, we're here. Right. And he's, he always makes mention of this. He goes, you know, at the uh, Bema seat, the Bema judgment, where, where Christians are going to be rewarded for what they've done for Christ. And he says that, I don't know if God is going to show us. This, this, I, I prepared all of this for you, but this is how much you occupied of what I had for you. And you're like, oh, what did I do? <laughs> Why did I waste my life? You know, and that's what he said, where there'll be tears. I mean, you're just going to be happy to have made it. But the potential, you know, man, I could have been ruling 
or whatever. I could have, I could have done this for the Lord. It would have given him glory, or it just could have exalted him more. I could have brought more souls into the kingdom, you know. And you're, that's what might bring tears to our eyes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, that's that's Chuck Missler anyway. I, I, that was the only guy I ever heard that. But wouldn't that be? Isn't it gonna be awesome when we finally get to see Jesus face to face? You know, mm. and, and and we're embraced by Him, and that, that's the first thing anybody talks about when they get to heaven. They go. I saw the Lord, and he was embodiment of love. You could just feel it just radiated on. And, and he, he knew me to the depth of my being, and he loves me. That depth, in that depth, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. You know, you hear, about, you hear about other people that met Jesus, and they say he's got a sense of humor. You know, he's kind of playful. He's not real stern. You know, he's, he's a, like a regular, you know, guy that we can relate to. But he's absolutely holy, and he absolutely loves us. It's going to be something to meet Jesus. Not only that, but all these characters that we read about in the Bible, you know, to be able to meet with them and talk with them and stuff. And so, uh, Revelation 21.5, Behold, he makes all things new. You know, that, that image reminds me, did you guys ever see the Chronicles of Narnia? Yes. Yeah. And how they portray that lion, uh, the lion-like characters like Christ. And the kids go, is he a dangerous lion? He goes, he is a dangerous lion, but he's, he's good. He's just. Uh, and I think that's Jesus right there. I mean, we're to fear him, but he's also, he loves us. You know what I mean? He's, he's, not, a, uh, he's not something to be messing with. You know, it says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, and so, you know, he's making everything new. Everything's going to be transformed at that point. Um, uh, verse 6, it says, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha. And the Omega, the beginning and the end, that's one of the things he said at the beginning of the, the book of Revelation, one of his titles, the Alpha, which is the first um, Greek uh, letter, uh, the, like the A and the Z. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Um, so, you know, if you, if you go back to chapter 2 and 3 in the Revelation, every single one of the seven churches, it has something that God is, is a statement he makes about himself, a statement he makes about the church. He has a commendation. This is a good thing you're doing here. And these are the bad things that you're doing here. And then there, every single one of them says, he who overcomes. The promises are to the overcomer. It's the person who perseveres. It's the person who doesn't quit. It's the person who stands in faith, even though it's hard, that you, your faith is in Jesus to your last breath. It says, to he who overcomes. And it says in the book of First John, it says, how do we overcome? By our faith. Our faith is what overcomes, right? Right. Yeah, so we, we just stay in the faith. We stay in the confidence that Jesus is our salvation, uh, here it is, and this is in 1 John 5, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who is begot also loves him who is begotten of him. So if we love Jesus, we should love the brethren. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and we keep his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. He overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So it's that simple. We stay in the truth of Jesus being the Son of God. My righteousness is, is ascribed to me because of what Jesus did. It's not self-righteousness. I love you, Lord. You died for me. I'm in the faith, and we are steadfast to the end. You're an overcomer. So to these promises are made. To him who overcomes, 
uh, shall inherit all things. You know, when you read in the Bible about an inheritance, you ever wonder, what is this inheritance? What is this inheritance? There's a lot the Bible says about inheritance, right? It's this. It's this kingdom. It's not, there's also things that we can partake of now, but the bulk of it, I would say, is this inheritance. You're going to inherit all things. This is the meek will inherit the earth. You know, we stay in Christ. This is our name. The people who are boastful and proud and grasping and grabbing right now and cutting, you know, they'll do anything to make a buck. This is, they're passing away, man. They're, they're going. But those who keep their eyes on the Lord, the meek shall inherit the earth. You, a lot of times we look like as Christians, oh, you guys are nothing. You're that. You, you don't amount to much. But in reality, we're highly esteemed. We have an eternal inheritance reserved for us in heaven. It's a great reward that God is. I mean, I think it's just going to blow us away when we see it. We're like, my goodness, why didn't I live more all out for this here? But because of our day-to-day grind, it's hard to keep a focus on that. You know, I was just reading that portion of scripture where Jesus was battling uh, at the cross. And he tells his disciples, couldn't you guys pray with me just one hour? But it was so hard for them. And I, and I don't harsh them because you ever been in a, in a situation like that where it's tough? Everything's against you, it seems. It's, it's, and it's hard to even pray for five minutes. You're just overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, I'm just in grief. I can't even hang. And then, couldn't you pray with me one hour? And yet even Jesus was sweating blood in that moment. You know, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough. Like Pastor Tasha said, it's tough being a Christian. It's, 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 a, it's a battle, right? Um, Bible study, you know? <laughs> there you go. It'll encourage you, right? I mean, when, when you, when you re- recalibrate and you get your view on this, it's like, whoa, I can do another, I can do another lap because look at this. Look at what's waiting for us right here. Even if we got to go through COVID, even if we got to go through refusing the vaccination, even if we got to, whatever, God forbid the things that are coming our way, but we hang tight because this is on the other side of this, right? But this is for the unbelievers. It says, he that overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. So that's the promise to believers, right? Um, Thank you, Lord. But this is the place for the cowardly. It says here, he overcomes here and there. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake with burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We don't, we're not a part of this. If we're in Christ, what is the saying? Born twice, die once. Born once, die twice. Second death is you die once a natural death. And then after this millennial period, you remember it says, Jesus uh, says to all those who are in hell or in Hades at that point, resurrect them all, bring them before my white throne of judgment. Go ahead and make your case. Or we're going we're gonna to show the whole, your whole life on this screen over here. You're going to know it. We're going to know it. Okay, you you are gonna you made your choice. You wanted to go to hell. That says Jesus doesn't send anybody to hell. People make their choice to go to hell. You made your choice to go to hell. Depart from me into the lake of fire. That's the final ju- the final death right there. Seriousness, man. Yeah. Um, uh, then one of the angels. I think I got a picture of that. I'll go back to this one. This one. It's not really. It. You know, it's, it's, it's representative. It's not a pure picture of what I want. It says, one of the seven angels who had seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked to me saying, come and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to the great high mountain and showed me a great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending from heaven from God. 
having the glory of God. Her light was like the most precious stone, like jasper, a stone clear as crystal. And she had a great and high wall and 12 gates and 12 angels uh, at the gates and the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So, you know, there, actually there's another portion that talks about this angel with a, with a measuring rod. And uh, I kind of got ahead of myself. But here is um, this image here. This is somebody's interpretation of the foundations. And it has the names of the, um, this is the names of the apostles. And then the gates have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel on the four sides. You know, there's walls. But this, it says in here, we're going to get to this, that there's three gates on each wall. Three gates. And each one is made from a single pearl. A single pearl, right. you know, and, and you know the parable where Jesus says there was a pearl of great price, you know, in chapter 13 of Matthew. And he says that the Lord was looking, there was a pearl merchant who was looking for um, a pearl, pearls. He was a pearl merchant and he found one. Whoa, this is the one I'm looking for. And actually the church is that pearl. That's what God was looking for. And so the gates on this city, which are never closed, but there's a gate there. And this person uh, depicts this with a hinge on there. So this pearl can open, I guess the pearl gate can open up and, and close as a single pearl. You know, they, I read in the dates, it says that it says it's a single pearl. And it says he believes that it's not, it's not from an oyster somewhere that created this pearl. But he says he's God. He can make it out of what he wants. You know what I mean? But it's a pearl-like or a pearl-type um, uh, substance. Huh? And you see how, you know, this is this interpretation, like say, how small these people are down here. In comparison to that, because you figure that a, a, a city that has a wall that's 1,500 miles high, can you imagine the size of the gates? I mean, it's, it's beyond our, our conception, I mean. Um, so it, it, let me go over this again. This is God and her, her light was like the, um, let's see. I'll go from verse 10. It says, he carried me away in the spirit to the great high mountain and showed me a great city the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, her light was like the most precious stones, Jasper, the stones clear as crystal. She had a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels, and the gates were the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes and the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Can you imagine if you were one of the original 12 apostles that you're, you're, you're over there, you're Peter or you're John and, you know, you meet the Lord and he says, you know, he starts revealing these truths to you and you're looking at him and, and you're like, well, he says he's the Messiah, but nobody's really receiving him over here. And, but man, he's doing these miraculous things, you know, and, and we are going to put our faith fully in him. He's entrusting his kingdom to us 12 to get this message to the rest of mankind. What a task, right? But look what the payoff was. Your names are going to be enlisted on the 12 foundations of this city in gems. Your names are there inscribed for eternity. What an amazing thing, right? Here's the, the you know, as we go through these uh, gems, so you get an idea what colors they are. And uh, it says, he, he talked with me, um, uh, verse 15. It says, and he who talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. So that was that image that I had here. 
that he had a, they use these reeds, these angels use these reeds. It was, I forget what it was, like 12 feet long or so. I should have wrote that dimension now. But they would use it like a tape measure. So we're, we're measuring the dimensions of this thing. And here we're going to get the dimensions of the city. It says, verse 16, And the city was laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. He measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its uh, length and breadth and height are equal. So you would think immediately, oh, it's a cube, but not necessarily, because it doesn't say that all the walls are that high. So there was an illustration that I saw that had the thing laid out as a square. So it's one, two, three, four, square. And then the middle, there's a, there's a 1,500 mile standard holding up and all lines converge to that standard. So that's one way of looking at it. Or it's straight lines from there, straight up, straight up, and it's a cube. So it, it, nobody knows for sure. Nobody's decided that yet. It says, uh, uh, so the, the measurements that I have here, depending on your use of a cubit, so a cubit is either 25 inches or 18 inches. It's, it's normally the, from the wrist to the fingertip, you know, so this, this span right here is a cubit. So to me, 25 would seem more accurate, right, uh, than 18 inches. So um, it says that this thing is, is laid out this way, and here's the dimension, a stadia, uh, would be 1,500 miles, or I have the other translation, if it was an 18-inch cubit, would be 1,380 miles. Still extremely huge. Huh? It says, the construction of the wall, verse 18. Uh, well, let me read 17. It says, then he measured its wall 144 cubits according to the measure of a man, that is of an angel. So they said the wall itself, the thickness was about 300 feet thick, you know, of, of, yeah, of gems. It says, it measure the wall uh, according to the measurement of the man. In verse 18, the construction of the wall was uh, of jasper. And so we'll go back to these gems so we get an idea what these gems are. So jasper is the top stone. Uh, jasper, the second sapphire. So blue. The third was chalcedony. Chalcedony down here so it's going in this progression down this was I think they're putting this in the order that the high priest would wear these gems when he went into the holy of holies this is representative of the um, 12 tribes of Israel uh, Chalcedony the fourth emerald so we're up at the top green um, Sardinex uh, Sardinex the sixth was uh, Sardis so that's kind of a marbled looking white thing it says the seventh was chrysolite which is red or no, sorry. Oh, chrysolite. Well, okay, they, they, went, they went a different way for me. Um, chrysolite. The eighth was beryl. So this was beryl. The ninth was topaz, which is blue, a lighter blue. The tenth was chrysophrase, which is on the top, which is that green the kind of jade one. Yeah. Chrysophrases. The eleventh is jansenite. So it's that kind of that orangish kind of dark orange color. The 12th was amethyst, so purple. The 12 gates were of 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was like pure gold, like transparent glass. That's amazing. Is there anybody, we got any Trekkies over here? Trek, Star Trek fans? I don't think we have in our church, but anyway. <laughs> but I remember there was, I'm not a big Trekkie fan, but I remember watching one of those shows and they went back into the future. The Star Trek Voyager went 
back into the past, you know, because they're supposedly way in the future with all this technology. And so they somehow they needed they needed to save this whale or do something with this whale. I don't know if you guys saw this one. And uh, Dr. McCoy said the only thing that can hold that amount of seawater is is clear aluminum. And it was like there's no such a thing as clear aluminum. You know, he went back to the past of, of um, in, a, in American timeline. And the guy goes, there is no such thing as clear aluminum. He goes, oh, we have it in the future. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Clear aluminum is very strong, but it's so pure, it's clear. Huh? And I thought, that's just science fiction. But a lot of times these shows have a grain of truth to them, right? And they said recently, we've attained to clear aluminum. It says, the refining process, somehow we can make clear aluminum. And I was like, wow, what a trip. So these guys, these scientists who knew Star Trek, knew that that was a potential. So there must be a way to make clear gold. You know, there must be a way. These things are not fantasy. This is reality that we're talking about here. So, so God knows that it's, it's so pure that it's clear. You ever see buy gold and it says it's 99.99% gold. You ever see that? What is that 1%? That 1%, whatever that point percentage is not allowing it to be pure enough to be clear, probably. And here in this fallen condition, we can't refine it that, to that degree. Right. But in heaven, they paved the streets with the stuff. Clear gold, you know? Well, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. Right, he can do whatever he wants. It wouldn't be liquid. It's just refined to that there's no impurities in it. It's, it's as, as pure of gold as we can get here. No, you can get, I think, yeah, if you buy gold, yeah, I think you get 99.96, I don't think it cannot be pure. It, yes. it will not be 100% gold, you know. And so I'm just wondering, is, is that the fraction, that little minute fraction is what keeps it from being pure so it's transparent? I don't know. I, I'm just speculating. I'm, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, the, the reason why I make that jump is the fact that he said they have pure aluminum and somehow they refined it or did whatever they did and we have clear aluminum now, or you see through aluminum, which I thought was interesting. Huh? Uh, uh, let's see, let's see. The 12 gates, uh, verse 21, the 12 gates are 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl and the streets of the city, the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Some people treat that, that word street as there is one singular street. Another says no, because it talks about in, Deru in, in the other earlier chapters when the two witnesses die and they said their bodies will lay in the street, singular. And they go, there's more than one street in Jerusalem. You know, but a lot of people want to say, no, there's just one street and it runs continuously through the city. You know, there's just one way. And I'm like, I don't see it being that way. You know, but people, you know, they can take these things so literally that they kind of kind of get into some, paint themselves in the corners. Just an interesting you know side what I note. I thought where the pearl gate was going to be. Yeah. It was going to be one pearl, but you would actually make it look like a gate and shape it. It might. You know, they, everybody talks about the pearly gates, you know. Yeah. This is interesting. an interesting picture. You know that the devil is a, is a master counterfeiter. Right. Look at this. What does this kind of look like? Doesn't this look like close encounters of the third kind? Something like that. Can you imagine after the rapture of the church that something like that takes place? That there's these massive crafts that come down from the skies and, and, and everybody's freaking out. The people disappeared and all of a sudden there's these things on, fine, coming on the scene. And this Antichrist is saying, you know, this is, I, we're actually, you know, I'm actually the creator of everything. And this is my creation and this, whatever the, the story is going to, but he's constantly trying to mimic God, right? And so I was thinking about that. You know, even, the, even this city that God is talking about, why do you think that there was a massive city of um, the Tower of Babel? 
The devil says, you got a city? I'm going to make a city. You want to see a city? I'll make a city. Or do you think Babylon will be rebuilt? You want a city? I'll show you a city. Look what we can do with the money that we got. Look at what we can construct. You know? Always we, competing with God. Always competing with God. You know? Yeah. So, man, we were just watching uh, yesterday. Uh, we had the, this show about Disney. And I, I was always fascinated with Walt Disney. You know, because he was so visionary. You know, nobody ever did the things that he did. He built... Disneyland, you know, I used to live really close to Disneyland when in the mainland, and, and I just admired him for his, his uh, creativity and his vision, and then they showed what, what his people that he trained up were able to achieve, you know, there's, there's a Disneyland in Hong Kong, there's one in Japan, there's one in France, there's one in California, there's one in Florida, I mean, they, and then you look at each one of them, and what people put their imagination to, it just gets better and more spectacular, more impressive, and I'm thinking to myself, man, what man can achieve through his imagination and hard work and money is pretty astounding. Imagine this Antichrist. I'm in control of all the wealth of the world. Build me a city that would, that would honor me. It's going to be something fantastic. And I think it's going to be built very quickly. It's going to be just, boom, there it is. He's trying to compete with God. He's trying to compete. He's trying to get people. No, 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 don't think about this city over here. Look at this city. Look at Las Vegas. Don't you love, don't you like the lights of Vegas and go, people are just like moths to that thing. You know, they go, oh, it's, it's bright. It's so different than Hawaii. You know, and there's always appealing to that lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of the life, pride of life, right? And so that's what's going on. There. So, you know, the devil comes and he competes with this thing that God's doing and astounds mankind. And there's more to this that I can make, you know, that he says he's going to make a, a, a base for this in Babylon. You know, uh, he's going to build this construction. Um, but what I'm saying is, he's always trying to mimic God. So look for something in the future that would try to compete with what God is doing here, right? Um, so this is the angel that was measuring. This is interesting. I mean, it's too bad it's in so small, but there was a lot of detail that were on, what was on this right here. Um, let me just see if I can zero in on some of this. It says, uh, scripture, so we read this already, John 14, 2. It says, for in my father's house are many mansions, and I go prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also has scripture references that our heavenly city, the saints, is, uh, is the magnificent structure of light, 1,500 miles cubed. It has 12 levels, 12 gates. It's uh, where the triune God resides amongst the hosts of the angels and the saints. Whether God's throne is at the top or somewhere else in the structures unknown, our levels earned by earthly works uh, that we do also unknown. We do not know if there are crowns awarded in heaven for our earthly works and sacrifices. The nations of the earth will bring their gifts and the inhabitants will honor the king of kings. No day and night in God's holy mountain, its light will be the light of the entire structure. It seems, you know, if, the, if everything is clear and transparent, that the light of God within this is there's, no gonna, there's never going to be a darkness in here because God is going to be the center of the light. And the light is just going to radiate to this whole thing constantly. You know, wherever God is at, it's just... And you imagine the light shining through transparent gold, shining through these gem layers, the, the amount of radiance that that would produce, it would be mind-boggling, right? It's almost like it's rainbows. There's nothing to hide. No. Trans Everything's transparent. Right? Um, here's, a, here's a scripture. Here's, here's a scripture reference about it being suspended. I didn't lift these up, but I'll, I'll trust what they wrote. It says, The city, city will be suspended above the hills over the earthly city of Jerusalem. I think I did read these scriptures. Psalm 99, 1-2, Micah 4-1, 4, 
Isaiah 2, 2, 2, 3, 31, 5, Zechariah 2, 13, Malachi 4, 4, 2. So, you know, just some more information on, you know, showing all the different levels of the different gems. This is this person's interpretation of that. Um, let me read this. It says, uh, many, uh, many studies have not yet concluded in which order the levels of heaven will be arranged. The order in the uh, fact that the stones used to describe the colors of its foundation in John lists in Revelation different in the order of the stones and are in the priestly earthly breastplate. Um, so there's, you know, there's just a bunch of details on this. Angels will ascend and descend in the city like birds at Christ's instruction. The nations of the 12 tribes Israel will be written in the foundations. The city will be hidden in the clouds as a defense from the nations. Each Listen to this. One. Each level contains 2,250,000 square miles. Each level? Each level. The continental U.S. is roughly 3 million, 3 million square miles. Mountains, oceans, and deserts could easily fit into each level. It would feel very much like a spacious spaciousness of a planet and God, God may even put stars in the atmosphere to make us feel comfortable. <laughs> Can you imagine that, man? Yeah. Each level is 125 like Each level is 125 miles high. The earth visible atmosphere is roughly 50 miles where clouds reside. Highest jet flight it has ever reached was 67 miles. And each one of these things is uh, 125 miles. 125 miles high. So there is no lack of space in this thing. You know, it's it's one of the sky. Yeah, it's it's huge, man. You can imagine. I mean, I mean, you're 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 coming in and you're and you're looking at planet Earth, and then all of a sudden there's this huge structure sitting on the top of it. You know, it's so massive. Huh? Here's the the streets. You know, the the streets are paved with gold, but it would be pure. It would be transparent. Huh? Uh, here's another picture of the possible what it would look like a cube hanging in space, you know, just ho hovering over there. And um, here's another one that gives it as a projection is possibly a pyramid, you know, the, the different dimensions here. Um, some people I've read, I read in a, I forget what book that was, but he, he did all these illustrations of the Bible. He did an illustrated timeline of the Bible. My friend Stephen, let me borrow the book. And... Um, there is scriptures that kind of back it up, but they said that actually the pyramid in Giza, there's the, there's the story of the gospel within that pyramid. And he goes through and he illustrates all these things that are in there. And it's really interesting because they're like, who, who built this thing? The pyramid of what? The pyramid in Giza. You know the great pyramid that you see? The real big one right. in Egypt? Right. That the story of the gospel is contained within there. I've heard some lectures about some of the pyramids in Egypt too. That yeah. Yeah. Right. According to somebody, you know, they, they said that there's a there's site there's like channels that are cut into the pyramid, or they, they constructed the stone. So you, there's a path that's pointing out to certain stars, like the North Star. You know, so that it's pointing to God. It says that the the sarcophagus, which is the burial chamber, was never never was anybody put in that thing. It was always empty. So it's reminiscent of the fact that. Um, that the tomb is empty of Christ. And then there's a corridor that, that goes down into the belly of this thing, and it's reminiscent of hell. And then there's that, that, um, that corridor that looks up into the heavens, up to the North Star, was like a, the Lord ascending up into heaven. So there's all these. I don't know if it's New Age. I don't know if it's Masonic or whatever, but it's kind of interesting. Right. 
some people claim that it was actually Enoch who built it. You know, I was trying to do some research on it, and that's what they were claiming. Uh, can we know that? I don't think so. It's not yeah, written anymore. Yeah. So it's just, it, like I said, it was hard to find images that could do this justice. But I think, you know, we portrayed at least the scale of this thing, how big it's going to be. It's massive, right? And so. Everything you said represents a cube, not a triangle. You think so? Let me read. They do, but they're like yes. this. Yeah. It's like tilted. walls to contain Yeah, but it's, it's people, it's people um, uh, prognosticating on the fact that it's a cube. You could probably do these same calculations as a pyramid. It would just be inclined. And here's some scriptures that might, you know, because it's called the Mount Zion. No, it's called the mountain of the Lord. What he just said, though, yeah. he said, you said every level would yeah. be 120 yeah. miles high. Right. But, but this is just somebody speculating yeah. because they're saying there, there's 12 foundations. So if it was 1,500 miles in, it's speculating. You can't. You, you're just taking the information that you have, and you're trying to make a. You're trying to make an educated, you know, projection on what it possibly would be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me find that one scripture. Oh, so the the 125 is just somebody projecting. It's not yeah. It's this isn't. These are just taking the information that's there and then you know running them out and thinking about it and coming up with your your idea about it right um, okay. but the volumes you know you could probably do the volumes you could calculate the volumes whether it be a pyramid or a cube you know uh, either one it's going to be huge there's nothing that 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 we can conceive of that would that would match this you know um, there's an interesting one here Doing it. I don't. I don't know which slide you're talking about. You said, there, "Is there a website for the fourth slide back?" So fourth slide. Oh, yeah. this one. Yeah, this one was interesting. Which one? The, the big. This one right here. Is yeah. that the one that I The one with the clear. Yeah, probably that one. Is there a website she could connect um, to that? What is the name of that copyright? It was off of Alpha and Omega Publications. Off of Alpha and Omega Publications. Or A and O Publications. Heaven, heaven, the City of the Saints, the he Bride of Christ. Uh, heaven, the City of the Saints. The Bride of Christ. The Bride of Christ. That's the one. Here, um, there's a scripture in Zechariah 4. I think this is it. I'm not sure. Um, it says, the, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain and shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. So that, that was one thing that I, I think to myself, um, a capstone, you know, and it, it's, it, Jesus is always, he's the chief cornerstone, but, you know, he's also the chief stone in this building. So I'm thinking... A, on a corner on a on a, a four square you know cube doesn't really have that one final stone yeah yeah 
happens, we'll find we'll out find if it's a period, <laughs> a pyramid, or a <laughs> Yeah, I want to go there too. Really, that time we're so glad we're there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it would hold more. Um, here's, here's a couple scriptures. You know, this, you know, this concept is as old as the book of Genesis, this thing. You know, you're, where, where did this emanate from? You know, but it wasn't it God who spoke to Abraham. And he says, come out of the country that you're living, you're dwelling in, and I'll show you a land that you're going to. And you're thinking, well, he was going to the promised land, but he was going beyond the promised land. You know, in, and according to the book of Hebrews, so in the book of Hebrews, it gives some clues to this. What was motivating this journey that these people were on? They were not satisfied with the earth. They were looking to a heavenly country. And um, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, um, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed, and he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So this concept comes all the way to the book of Genesis. And so some people are saying, this is the bride of Christ. This is only for the church. I beg to differ. I believe that this is going to inhabit anybody who died in faith, who are waiting for this thing. This is Old Testament saints, New Testament saints. This is who's going to inhabit it. And that's why it's called the bride, because we're married to God. I mean, it, it, he, when the angel says, I'm, let me come and show you the bride, there's some confusion there. I thought the church was the bride. Well, we are, technically, but the fact that we're living in here all collectively, uh, two peoples, the, the Old Testament saints as well as the New Testament saints, we're living in this in this. Uh, glorious city of God, we're technically are the bride of God, of, of God in Christ, you know, in this place. Huh? Um, there's this weird because there's all kinds of distinction. There's other people, certain cults that says, we're the bride, we're this, we're that, you know, and they want to lay claim to it, an exclusive claim to it. And yet, I believe that anybody who was um, looking to God for their salvation, who are died in faith, is going to be a resident in here, you know. And um, here's some other scriptures on that topic. Uh, Hebrews eleven thirteen, and it says these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were assured of them embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland and truly if they had called to mind the country which they had come out from they would have had the opportunity to return but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You know, so this promise goes back into the Old Testament, right? Um, uh, Hebrews 12, which is how this church gains its name. Uh, Hebrews 12, 22, it says, but you have come. Well, let me read from above that. It says, uh, so, so, and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm extremely afraid and trembling, but you have come to Mount Zion. So it's a mountain, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to a God of the judge of the spirits of just men made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of, speaks of better things than of Abel's. And then one more last scripture, Hebrews 13. We're going, man. We're registered. <laughs> We're all registered already. <laughs> well, then 
name was given to him by the Lord. Yeah. Was, yeah. How I got that name was I was in the mainland, and I was at my auntie's house, and it was in the summertime, and you know, I just got back with the Lord. We got Auntie back. Roni, yes, yeah, Auntie Roni, yes, Diane. Yeah, Auntie Roni, yeah. This is where my cousins lives in on the mainland. And, and I, I was talking to Auntie Roni that night before I went to sleep. And I had my Bible in the room. So when I, I, I went into the room and I was reading and I was, I was reading in Hebrews and I stopped short of that, what I just read. And then I woke up in the morning and I read, uh, uh, no, I had a dream. I had a dream that dream. night. And it was uh, uh, standing in front of this mountain, like Mount Sinai, and it was like full on erupting in fire, or God had come down, and it was a massive cloud, and it looked like a furnace of fire, just, it, looked, it was really scary looking. And Moses was standing in front of me, he was standing there with his staff watching this. And I go, well, I should be really afraid of this, but I'm not. I felt, you know, pretty secure in this. And I woke up, and as I was waking up, it was thundering uh, outside in, in the real world. I was like, oh. And so I came downstairs and asked my auntie, I said, was it thundering this morning? She goes, yeah, it was. There was some kind of storm up by the mountains. And it was in the summer, which is really unusual in California, it was thundering. And uh, then I went back upstairs and I continued to read, and that was the portion of scripture. I didn't know Hebrews that well to know that that was coming up. And I go, wow, the church of the firstborn. That's awesome. That's an awesome name. So when we started this church, I asked the Lord, Lord, is this the name of this church? You know, church of the firstborn. Because I love that scripture. And, and we're all part of the church of the area. Right, we have two rainbows. Yeah, and so I was, I was cutting the yard out in Havalau, and um, I was praying about this, and then there was a double rainbow, you know, one, not one, but two rainbows, you know. And the firstborn in the Bible, it gets a double portion of, of the inheritance. Huh? So I was like, okay, that's the name of this church, <laughs> the church of the firstborn. That's how we got it, but it's a great name. Yeah. Um, last one, Hebrews 13, 13. It says, Therefore, let us go forth to him, Outside the camp, bearing his reproach, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Therefore, uh, by him, let us continually offer up the sacrifices of praise to God, which is the fruit of our lips, lips giving thanks to his name. So basically saying here, you know, this, this earth and this, this, in, this uh, uh, reality that we have has an expiration point on it. But if we're looking up to this heavenly Jerusalem, this is for eternity. So... That's uh, chapter 21 of the book of Revelation, and we'll close in prayer. If you guys have any yeah. questions, we can answer that. Yeah, well, our, uh, my camera is. I'll talk about that. Let me close in prayer because there's people here. Lord, we, we thank you for this time together, and we give you praise, Lord, that this is our inheritance. This is what uh, we're. Uh, we have in our future and we pray that we would be steadfast firm unto the end for like this word in Hebrews says for here we have no continuing city but Lord we look for one whose foundations and maker is God and we thank you Lord for this vision help us to put it in our heart Lord that this is this is you said that you have prepared a place for each yes, one of us Lord. in the mighty name of Jesus amen, okay, amen. Good night, everybody.